morning, everybody. Good morning to those of you here in the building. Good morning to those of you watching from home. Do you feel Christmassy? Do you feel like that season is just coming fast? This morning, we ask you to stand and join with us. And may you have a beginning of anticipation stirring in your heart that God, who loved us so much, sent his son so that we could have life and life abundantly. So we could have the debt paid we could never pay for ourselves. So we encourage you to allow that anticipation to stir, allow that um, rejoicing to stir in your heart and to sing with us this morning. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne Gospel truth of old shall not 
we will begin celebrating the season of Advent by lighting the first Advent candle. The word Advent means coming or arrival. Advent's focus is twofold. It is on Jesus' first coming to Bethlehem, born as a baby, and also the anticipation of the second coming as victorious king. The wreath and its candles are the visual focus of Advent. The candles symbolize the light of Christ coming into the world. One of the candles will be lit each week as Christmas approaches. The evergreen color represents the eternal life that we are granted when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The shape of the wreath is round, symbolizing the completeness of God and reminding us of our fellowship with believers around the world who share with us the celebration of his coming. The four outer candles represent hope, peace, joy, and love. The center candle is called the Christ candle and will be lit during the Christmas Eve service. This year, we are doing something a little different. Each week, in addition to lighting a candle, we will be collecting a specific grocery item to donate to Kerr Street Mission. As those who have been the recipient of God's grace shown to us through Jesus Christ, we choose to give to others that they too may know his hope, peace, joy, and love. This morning, Shannon Thompson and Jessica Mutu will be lighting the candle. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Amen. Well, I get the opportunity to say Merry Christmas for the first time in this Christmas season, today being the beginning of Advent. So Merry Christmas to all of you and to all of you who are joining us on the live stream today. Why don't you say Merry Christmas to someone around you this morning before you are seated? Well, thank you. You may be seated. Just want to extend a warm welcome to each of you here today. We're glad that you could come and be with us. And for those of you who are joining us via live stream, we are happy that you have joined us as well. It's my favorite time of year, and uh, it's so great to be here and celebrating with you today. If this is your first time at Evangel, we want to extend a very warm and special welcome to you. 
And uh, we want to thank you for being here today, and just to say that if we can come alongside and serve you, then that would just bring a great joy to us. That's what we want to do, and uh, the best way we find to connect with you is to ask you to fill out a connection card that you'll find in the seat pocket in front of you. If you just fill it out, take it to the information desk in the foyer after the service. You can leave it there. There's a small gift there for you, and uh, we're just delighted that we can have you here and help you in any way that we can. I want to thank the team that gathered on Tuesday evening and uh, worked hard and put all of this together. Uh, big change since. Can we just show them our appreciation this morning? It's a lot of work, and uh, they did a great job, so thank you very much. I see, I can see back in the back corner there, we're going to need uh, multiple tables. The table is already overflowing and we're only on week one. So thank you for responding in that way. What a great opportunity it is for us to help uh, in this Christmas season. So just want to remind you, next Sunday, again, will be the, the second week. And in the second week, I believe it's canned vegetables. Yes, canned vegetables. So that'll be the focus of next week. And uh, so I uh, just encourage you to continue to participate as you can. Also, just a, a couple of reminders or things that are coming up. Uh, we are really hoping and praying after having a few years of, of not being able to do our Christmas Eve service. We're, we're planning for and preparing for our Christmas Eve service this year, and uh, we'll be doing our carols by candlelight on uh, Christmas Eve at 6.30 p.m., so uh, just keep that in mind. You can put that on your calendar, save the date, bring your family, bring your friends, and uh, we'll gather uh, on Christmas Eve to share carols together, scripture readings, celebrate Advent and the Christmas season together, so please keep that in mind. I think that's all the announcements for now. There's some, some other things that are, that are upcoming, and we'll just kind of share those with you next week, but that's it for today. I'm going to invite our ushers to come, and kids, uh, if you have children that are newborn to age three, there's a nursery and downstairs that you can take your child anytime, and kids JK to grade five are free to go with their volunteers as we take the offerings this morning. God bless you as you continue to worship today. You may remain seated. We'll ask you to join us in a few minutes. I don't want to be afraid Every time I face the waves I don't want to be afraid I don't want to be afraid I don't want to fear the storm just because I hear it roar. I don't want to fear the storm. I don't want to fear the storm. Peace be still, say the word, and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in I'm not gonna be afraid 
I'm not gonna fear the storm You are greater than its roar I'm not gonna fear the storm I'm not gonna fear it all Peace be still Say the word And I will Set my feet upon the sea
Born to save thy people 
changing everything. You call me to your kingdom before your love gets me. Even as a baby, you were reaching out. You draw the hearts. You draw the hearts of shepherds. You draw the hearts of kings. Even as so grateful that you are the king who agreed to humble himself and come and be one of us to pay a price we never could have. And would you find in our hearts this morning an anticipation, an 
anticipation for the long-awaited King. Amen. You may Amen. remain standing for the reading of his word. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 to 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and to call, or to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Carlene, for leading us so beautifully this morning. A remarkable and spontaneous event occurred on Christmas Eve 1914 during World War I that is now referred to as the Christmas Truce, involving troops from Germany, Belgium, England, and France. A truce had been called in honor of Christmas, and many of the battle lines fell temporarily silent. One particular British soldier who chronicled these events recorded that uh, about the conditions at the time, and he and his fellow troops were taking cover in the muddy trench. They were wet right through, and they were cold. No one dared to go to sleep because they were afraid that the enemy would violate the truce and attack them. At around 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, the soldier heard a sound coming from across the field from the enemy side. And the sound began to build. It was the German forces singing Christmas carols at the top of their lungs. In response, the British soldiers sang back. And a decision was made to meet halfway between the sides in what was known as no man's land. And so soldiers on each side began to climb out of the wet trenches and make their way to the center. And once there, they exchanged handshakes and words of kindness. They took turns singing Christmas carols from their homeland. They traded tobacco, and of course, because the French were involved, wine. And before long, there was a holiday party of enemy guests. One soldier reported about a soccer game that was played. And when the truce ended, each went back to their respective sides and continued the war. For a short time on Christmas Eve 1914, fear was replaced with peace. Peace. 
Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're launching our Advent sermon series entitled Christmas Peace. And we'll be focusing on the biblical account of the Advent, of the coming of Jesus. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the words that we hear in each of the stories, and the words are these, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. God's desired response to the coming of his son was not fear, it was peace. It was peace. For hundreds of years, the nation of Israel waited for their hope, their Messiah, their salvation to appear. Generation after generation attempted to instill hope in the next generation that followed. But time passed and the delay caused many to become frustrated and lose hope. And so our scripture today marks the moment when the darkness of despair and fear was once again filled with hope because of the long-awaited announcement. And so today we're going to consider the angel's announcement to Mary that the moment for the coming of the hope of Israel, the Messiah, had arrived. And so today we will be reminded simply that hope is more powerful than fear. Hope is more powerful than fear. So let's walk through this familiar story. The context of our scripture today, just to help us to understand better of what's happening here, we see that both Matthew and Luke set out the political context for us, that what's going on at the time of Jesus' birth. We're told that Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome. That Herod is the king of Judah, that he is ruling on Augustus' behalf, and that Quirinius is the governor of Syria. So we're told all of these political details. Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, who was known and worshipped as a god, Julius Caesar was, and so therefore Caesar Augustus was worshipped as the son of God. He was known as the savior of Rome. And so this is the context where this announcement comes. The overriding policy during his reign was Pax Romana, peace in Rome, peace at any cost. And while there was an absence of revolt and rebellion and peace, I suppose, personal peace was lacking for the people of Israel. And so Luke informs us that Augustus required a census. He was not interested in the collection of demographic statistics so he could better understand his kingdom, or improve the lives of his people. His purpose was to increase the tax burden on his subjects and determine how many fighting men were available to help him suppress the people. The Jewish people were under domination. They despised the Romans, and that's an understatement. The opposition of being ruled by by outsiders, they they despised that. In addition to the despair imposed by these brutal outsiders, there was despair even more profound within the spiritual realm of Israel. Israel was a nation whose whole identity and purpose was centered on the one true God being central in their lives. But spiritually, things were not good. Many in the priesthood were corrupt. They had exchanged compassion and leadership and spiritual direction for power and wealth. Their covenant with God that was once rooted in relationship with him was now controlled by legalism 
that was too heavy for many of them to even bear. They longed for their Messiah to come. They longed for him to liberate them, to restore Israel, to bring hope to them. Was it possible that they would see this long-awaited hope of Israel in their lifetime? Was it even possible, considering the hopelessness of their current context, things were so dark, was it even possible? So much time had transpired. So much hope had been lost. Would God ever fulfill his promise? Next, we see the announcement. After years of longing, after years of waiting, after years of hoping, suddenly, in a moment, something happened that would forever change the course of history. The announcement that the long-awaited Messiah, the hope of Israel, the Savior, was about to arrive. There were a number of unexpected and perhaps even unusual realities that accompanied this announcement. The angel Gabriel arrived on the scene to make this long-awaited announcement. His announcement was not made in the nation's capital of Jerusalem, the political and spiritual seat of power. It wasn't made there. The announcement was made in the village of Galilee, in Galilee called Nazareth. Sorry, yeah, you know, and and an insignificant place, a, a suspect place, a place that caused people to ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is where the announcement took place. The announcement wasn't made to the religious elite serving in the temple system or in the local synagogues in the smaller towns. It was made to a teenage girl who was engaged to be married. And she was scared. She was scared. But the angel told her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. God has chosen you. It's going to be okay because God was fulfilling his promise and she was going to be a part of it. She didn't have to be afraid. And so the angel explained to her that she was going to become pregnant and give birth to a son, not just a son, but the son of God. Now last week as we wrapped up our Heart for God series and we looked at 2 Samuel chapter 7, we were reminded there that God promised David through the prophet Nathan that David's throne would last forever. The divine and the eternal king, the Messiah, would reign forever on David's throne. And so the angel told Mary that the boy, this boy would sit on the throne of David, that he was a long-awaited hope of Israel, that he would reign forever. It had been a long time coming, but hope was about to arrive, and the long-awaited promise of God was about to be realized. Next, we see her response. As you can imagine, this was a, a lot of information for Mary to process. There were things about the announcement that seemed impossible. She was a virgin. How was pregnancy even possible? The angel explained to her that the pregnancy would be the result of a miracle that the Holy Spirit would hover over her and create the child in her womb. The language used here is the exact same language that's used in the creation account in Genesis, where the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness and the chaos and brought forth life where life did not exist before. If this announcement was true, then it would most certainly have a significant impact on her life. This was complicated 
on every level. She was engaged to be married. Only two things in this culture could break an engagement. Death, which would make her a widow, or divorce. Becoming pregnant would be a serious issue, to say the least. In this culture, she could be stoned to death if they deemed that she was unfaithful to Joseph. Pregnancy would bring shame on her. It would bring shame on her family. It would bring shame on Joseph. Everyone would believe that she was immoral. They would think that she was an adulteress. She'd be rejected be rejected by her family or her community. Being chosen by God to participate in this plan would come at great personal cost to her. Yet after hearing all that the angel had to say, Mary responded with these words, I am God's servant. I'm God's servant. In other words, my life is God's to use as he pleases regardless of the personal cost to me. And I'm okay with everything that you've just said. As we reflect on this very familiar story, central to the Christmas season and our beliefs of why we celebrate Christmas, there are two observations that I'd like to draw from our scripture today. And there are many that we could draw, but the first that I want to look at is cost. It has been my experience, based on my own life, based on my observing of the lives of others, based on reading the Bible, that being a part of what God is doing often comes with cost. Jesus himself said that if we want to find true life, if we want to experience and know real life, we need to lay down our lives. Surrender to the values and priorities of the kingdom of God. And only in laying down our lives will we find life. God's redemptive plan for the world came at great personal cost to Jesus. God's plan for Israel's hope came at great personal cost to Mary and Joseph and their families. God's plan to advance his church came at great personal cost to the apostles and believers alike. God's plan to make Joseph the prime minister of Egypt so he could use him to secure the promise to Abraham so long ago that would lead up to this moment came at great personal cost to him. And we could go on and on today. But the point is this, being a part of what God is doing always comes with cost. Bringing hope to this world, which is one of the reasons we are here, bringing hope to this world as followers of Jesus, it won't come cheap. It won't come cheap. It's going to cost us. It will cost us our money. It will cost us our time. It will cost us our training and our expertise it will cost us our experience. It may cost us our dreams. It may cost us our goals. If we want to bring hope to a world that is experiencing fear and hopelessness and despair, we will need to surrender our lives to God and be willing to pay whatever it costs us personally to do so. 
When God taps us on the shoulder and he says, I have a plan to bring hope to the world, and this is what I need from you, specifically from you. This is, this is your part in this whole process. This is what I need from you in order for this to be fulfilled. And I know it's going to come as a, at a cost to you. And this is what it's going to cost you to say yes to me. The question is, are you in? Are you in? And how are we going to respond when that happens? I hope we all respond like Mary. As difficult as that might be, but I hope we do respond like Mary. God, my life is yours to use as you please. My life is yours, regardless of the personal cost to me. I'm okay with what you're asking of me. That's a difficult place to to be sometimes. But if we're going to be a part of what God is doing, both individually and corporately and as families, it will likely come with a cost. With a cost. The second thing is the whole aspect of waiting. And of course, specifically on the first Sunday of Advent, the focus on the waiting, because this is the moment, Advent is the moment where the, the, the waiting comes to an end and reality becomes what we see here in Scripture, the promise being fulfilled. Waiting. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard for me. I suspect waiting is hard for you too. Waiting is hard. When minutes turn to hours, hours turn to days, and days to weeks, and weeks to months, and months even to years. I've learned that waiting and hope are inseparable. You can't disconnect the two. Our hope helps us to wait. Our hope helps us to wait because we believe that the promises of God are true. That we believe that God is reliable. We believe that if God makes a promise, he will bring that promise to reality. And so hope and waiting are linked. Hope is found between where we are and what, where we want to be or long to be or what we need. Hope can be found as we wait between a health diagnosis and the outcome of that health diagnosis. Believing that despite what happens, God will be true to his promises. Hope can be found as we wait before, between laying the, the one that we love in the ground and anticipating the day of resurrection when we'll be reunited again. It's hope. Hope can be found as we wait between losing a job and finding a new job, even if it takes a lot longer than you anticipated to get there. Hope can be found as we wait between seeing your child abandon their faith and walk away from God and seeing the prodigal come home, even if it takes years to get there. Hope. Hope can be found as we wait between a relationship ending and the hurt we experience as a result, and the new chapter that God has for us 
down the road. Hope can be found as we wait and we struggle with depression and anxiety when nothing feels right, but you hold on to one who, who promised to never let you go, one who promised to never leave you, believing that he will bring you through. Hope. We hope while we wait. And we spend a great deal of our lives waiting. Some of us have been waiting for a long time. Not waiting for something insignificant or trivial, but waiting for God to do something important and profound. Some of us have been praying for a long time. Some of us have been weeping for a long time. Some of us have been watching for a long time. We may have started out with great hope and confidence, but like the nation of Israel, time has been the enemy of our hope. And as it drags on, the hope begins to diminish. Perhaps some of us here today or watching online have lost hope. We've given up. We've stopped believing. We've stopped expecting. And fear has taken over our hope. Fear has replaced our hope. Perhaps some are clinging to the last thread of hope as fear keeps pushing in upon us. Perhaps the circumstances of your life have unfolded in such a way that you believe that God's promises are no longer possible for you. You're disqualified from that. I'm going to invite our worship team to come, but I want to remind all of us today that God's timing most often does not align with ours. I wish it would from my own selfish perspective, but I also trust that his timing is perfect. But God's timing does not often align with ours. And I, even though I wanted to, I've noticed it's not the case. But I want to remind all of us today that God is often at work, but we can't see it. And sometimes when God's at work and we can't see it, you know, we, we assume that he's not at work at all. That he's not doing anything about it. That it's just stagnant and it's just sitting there and it's not going anywhere and nothing is happening. We just assume that because we can't see it. But I want to remind us today, in the midst of focusing on hope and fear, that God is faithful. And we talked about that last week too. That God is faithful and God will keep his promises in his time and in his way. And so we trust him and we wait. We trust him Have you been waiting for a long time? Have you? Are you tired? Are you tired of waiting? Some of you may say, Pastor, I'm exhausted from waiting. I'm tired. I, I don't know if I can keep waiting. I don't know if I can keep hoping. Don't lose hope. And God's promises seem delayed. Hope is more powerful than fear. Hope, and we wait. I'm going to ask our worship team to lead us this morning. And I'm going to slip down here in the front, and if you want 
like me to pray with you this morning, I would be honored to do that. Encourage you and to pray with you. Would you stand with us this morning as we take a few moments? He is here for the broken, life to the one who is Still in the way 
is against me and the wind tries to draw me away I will stand on the mountain safe in your arms I will sing I will sing be still my soul be still be still my soul be still wait Wait patiently, wait patiently.
Father, this morning, we are grateful in a world that was engulfed and consumed in darkness. You sent your light, your hope, our light, our hope, Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate his first advent this morning, we want to express our thanks to you for the hope that we have. That as the angel spoke the words to Mary, do not be afraid. You're speaking those same words to us this morning. Do not be afraid. Hope is stronger than fear. And thank you for the hope that we have found in you. And thank you for the hope of your second advent on that day when you will come again. And Lord, as we wait, as we wait, I pray that our hope would be strong. It would not waver. That we would not give up. As we wait for you to intervene in our lives, as we wait for circumstances to change, as we wait for the things we long for and pray for, May we find you in those moments of waiting and may you bring hope to us. And as we leave this place today, I pray that not only would you bring hope to us, but I pray that the hope that you have brought to us, we can now bring to a world that is dark and hurting and broken. And God, just bring that hope and strength of Jesus Christ to them. So lead us today, we pray. Guide us. Thank you that we could be here. May your blessing continue to be in our lives as we continue to pour that out into the lives of others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.